Please stand if you're able for a reading from God's holy word. Today's scripture reading is from John 10, 7 through 10. If you would, please read the verses in bold. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. One of the things that I love about uh, Grace Sacramento is how many people you get to see on the platform every week. And I'm grateful uh, for all of the folks who come and help us, lead us in worship, and um, for every person that you see on the platform or on the screen, um, there's probably two people behind the scenes uh, pushing buttons, teaching children, setting up tents, and uh, so we're just grateful for the way that the body of Christ works together, and I'm grateful for you. These uh, Sundays in the, in the late summer, I kind of feel like uh, every Sunday is a little bit of a reunion Sunday. Uh, I've been gone for a couple of weeks. People have been gone for a couple of weeks. Where have you been? How is it going? Um, and so welcome back if you're joining us for the first time in a while. I was missing last week. Uh, actually, I snuck out in the middle of the service last week to go and preach at a church plant in Reno. And uh, it was, there's exciting things happening in, in Reno, and you can keep those folks in your prayers as they're hoping to plant a church there. And uh, Pastor Daniel is missing this week. He is preaching at a sister church in Hayward called Risen Hayward, and we're excited. That also is a church plant, uh, an embryonic gathering of believers uh, hoping to grow into a church. And so pray for Risen Hayward. And we're here together, and this is, uh, as the prayer would suggest, the prayers of the people today. Today is our finale in our series on the I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And today, uh, Jesus from John 10 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. From time to time, actually quite often, I tell a lot of stories about uh, growing up on a Michigan farm with three brothers. And one of the essential skills for succeeding in this lifestyle is fort building. Before you can hope to have any kind of decent uh, game of army or capture the flag, you need a fort. You need a headquarters or several fortresses uh, from which uh, to play the game. And we built all kinds of forts. We built tree forts with rope ladders. We, we built hay forts that had uh, tunnel entrances through the hay. We, uh, we built a, a foxhole fort into the side of a hill one time and used an old barn door as a trapdoor entrance to get in and out. And uh, one time we found this stack of, um, it was like soggy old barn wood and it was bendy, and so we wove it in between fence posts. And then when it dried, it was like this, the strongest walls that we had ever, that we had ever built. 
and we thatched the roof, and we paved the floor with stones, and we hung a, there was just a gap. Um, we couldn't figure out how to hang a door, and so mom let us use a shower curtain to, 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 close, the, to close the door on our fortress. And uh, yes, these were our fortresses. In John 10, Jesus seems to switch metaphors in the middle of an illustration. Some weeks ago, we, we looked at another part of John 10 where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And in the beginning of the chapter, uh, he begins to describe himself as a shepherd. And then in verse 6, it says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. And so he changes his description of, uh, of, of who he is, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Some translations say gate or gatekeeper. Uh, I am the gate of the sheep. But I think before we can really understand what Jesus is talking about, it's probably important for us to realize that the picture that Jesus is painting or the picture that his listeners would have in their minds uh, when he said this is probably less like a barnyard or a sheep pen that you may have in your mind and more like a homemade fortress created for the protection of the sheep in a dangerous terrain, um, protecting from intruders and from predators and from thieves alike. The picture is probably, uh, it could be a cave. Sometimes shepherds would put their sheep into caves, uh, but otherwise it'd be like a circular or a, uh, a rectangular fortress built out of the strongest walls that they could figure out, rocks or stones piled up into a, 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 a walled fortress, and then sometimes even planted or, uh, or briars or thorns on the top of the wall. So you can almost imagine a, a homemade fortress that kind of models the, the razor wire fence on the top of a secure location. And... Uh, there would be one break in the wall and there would be one opening and some interpreters say that uh, when Jesus calls himself the gate, he's actually referring to the fact that many shepherds would put their sheep into the pen at night and then lie across the opening to the sheep pen that the shepherd themselves would become the gate or the protector. And so unless an intruder was willing to encounter the shepherd face to face, then the only way to get into the pen was to try to climb over the walls and over the briars. And so some will say that uh, Jesus makes two different statements about who he is, two different I am statements in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd and I am the door to the sheep. Others will say that it's really just two versions of the same statement. But I think it's helpful, it'll be, it'll be productive for us this morning to look at the idea of Jesus as the door uh, because I think it's helpful for us to grasp the whole picture of what Jesus is claiming, what he is offering to those who follow him. To follow him. And those might be claims uh, that wouldn't be first on our minds when we think about the gate to a sheep pen. 
But when we imagine the door of a fortress or a shepherd himself lying across that entranceway, it'll be easier for us to understand three things that Jesus is offering, three things that he's claiming in this passage. Because like any good door, he offers entrance, access, and security. Let's take a look. Jesus says, I am the entrance door. Verses 7 to 9 say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. When I think about Jesus as the, the entrance door into God's kingdom, it's hard for me not to think of C.S. Lewis's famous wardrobe. Uh, it, the, the wardrobe in the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe is the, the gateway or the doorway through which the children enter into a, an enchanted land where Spiritual power is as real as the weather. And where a Messiah is personified as Aslan the lion. And it's tempting to try to read the Chronicles of Narnia, if you're familiar with these books. If you're not, uh, highly recommend. But it's tempting to read the Chronicles of Narnia and uh, think of them as an allegory. You know, this idea that there's a one-to-one match. If Aslan the lion represents Christ, then who do Mr. and Mrs. Beaver represent? And who does the white witch represent? But C.S. Lewis, the author, rejected that label. He said, uh, he said Narnia is not an allegory. He, he calls it rather a supposal. He says... I don't say, let us represent Aslan, let, let us re- represent Christ as Aslan. I say rather, supposing that there was a world like Narnia. And supposing, like ours, it needed redemption. Let us imagine what sort of incarnation and passion and resurrection Christ would have there, supposing it exists. And that's probably a better way to try to read uh, Jesus' picture here in John 10. Supposing God's people were a flock of sheep, what sort of role would Jesus have there? And Jesus answers, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And this echoes uh, the statement in John 14, 6 that Daniel preached on last week. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what's, am, what's amazing uh, about this picture, it's such an amazing picture. Uh, the only way into the flock is through the single opening in the fortress wall across which the shepherd has stretched his own body. You literally have to go through him to get to his sheep. And Jesus has literally stretched out his own body on the cross, taking on himself the penalty of sin and restoring a relationship with God, our Father and Creator. Uh, And anyone who would enter into that relationship that he offers has to do it through him. In some ways, this is really last week's theme, and so I'm not going to belabor the point too much, but just to say, the doorway, as it were, into life with God which is actually what the rest of this supposal illustrates. What is life with God? What is life as a part of the flock like? Uh, This doorway uh, gives entrance. There's only one way in. Jesus says, I am the door. But 
uh, a door is used for more than entrance. It also provides access and security. Jesus says, I am the access door. In verses 9 and uh, 10, it says, If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pastures. And then later he says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says that as a door or a gate uh, into uh, the, the sheep pen, uh, that he's not only the way into the fold, but he says he's the way to go in and out to find pastures, which I think is an intentional echo of that famous psalm, uh, Psalm 23, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. You prepare a place for me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I think it's important uh, to recognize two things in Jesus' description of a door allowing for the sheep to come in and out and find pasture, to find abundant life. First, Psalm 23 uh, echoes this same sentiment, and, it's, and it says explicitly, He leads me. So apparently, you don't drive sheep like you drive cattle. Uh, they're not prodded or intimidated to go where you want them to go, but rather they are led. In a different place in our passage, Jesus says in verse 4, uh, the shepherd goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Apparently the shepherd would speak and the sheep that belonged would follow and he would lead them and that's how it works. It's a reminder that Sheep don't wander out of the pen and find pasture on their own. In fact, all of the stories that Jesus tells about solo sheep are lost sheep with a shepherd coming after them. They don't, sheep don't make their own way. In fact, the rest of the scripture describes uh, strongly, uh, it seems to suggest that sheep that go their own way get lost. They fall into traps. They get eaten by bears and lions and things like that. And so it's also a picture of the fact that serving Jesus is not, the picture that Jesus is describing of life following him is not a picture of being driven by a whip or prodded and herded. It's being led. I think uh, if you feel like fear is a primary motivation for trying to follow God, uh, if, if, the, if the only uh, motivation or, your, or the, the primary uh, conviction is I need to do this to escape punishment. Uh, I think we should talk. You may be missing out on some of the joy and the freedom of following a good shepherd. Uh, missing, missing the idea that this is not a life of avoidance but rather a life of abundance, of, of pursuit of good things designed to be given to you. The, the major contrast here is between uh, the purpose for which the shepherd comes to, to the sheep and the reason that others try to get into the pen, right? The passage says the others come only to steal, kill, and destroy. So for an intruder trying to get into a flock that is not their own, 
thieves and robbers. These are folks that want to use that flock. They want to consume that, uh, those sheep. They want to uh, se- sell them or slaughter them, use them for themselves and their own purposes. And uh, this comes on the tail. Jesus' words come on the tail of a confrontation that he's had with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And it's hard to miss the way that Jesus confronts self-centered leaders in this moment. People who have risen to position amongst God's people uh, for themselves, using people and using their influence uh, for their own ends. As the good shepherd has come to lead and feed and care and lay down his life for his people, Jesus says, uh, this is what leadership looks like. While those he confronts have used and exploited people to gain their own position. And so there's a, there, the abundant life that Jesus is offering to lead us to is contrasted with the way that we are often led and the way that we're often used and maybe the way that you've had an experience in a church or in a ministry in which uh, you felt like you were used. And I want to invite you back to Jesus. I want to uh, confess and apologize to you uh, if that has happened to you in the name of Jesus. And uh, invite you to examine what it looks like to follow a good shepherd. The word Jesus uses for pasture uh, when it says we, to come in, go, and to find pasture could actually be translated luxurious foliage. Green pastures, that's what Psalm 23 calls it. Still waters, a table prepared for you, oil on your head. All of this, this description of life following Jesus is consistent with the claim at the end of the passage where Jesus says, I've come to give that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus, this offer, we, we talk a lot about I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, the, the exclusive offer of salvation, life with God for eternity, is through Jesus. But the description that Jesus is making here is not just about a life someday in a somewhere place where spiritual power is finally as real and as evident as the weather. But he's saying that the best pastures here and now are found by following him. So what does pursuing this abundant, fruitful life here and now look like? What does this kind of following Jesus mean? Well, it's not... uh, He's not advocating a prosperity gospel. This is not a, if you follow Jesus, he will make you rich and successful. Abundance, the word he uses, is an agricultural word. It means fruitfulness. This has less to do with material prosperity and more to do with realizing and living into and fulfilling your purpose. Being fruitful in doing what you were made to do. Fulfilled in the life designed for you. You were made in God's image. You were given life by him and he created you and your body and your mind and your heart to function most fully by his design. This is a countercultural idea in our moment. Uh, 
We live in a moment that is constantly promising us from all sides that freedom and self-discovery and abundance will be found in breaking free, breaking the rules, making your own way. But Jesus says that sheep that wander their own way without a shepherd don't end up in green pastures. Proverbs 7 says, Keep my words, treasure up my commandments with you, keep my commandments and live. Echoed by Jesus himself when he says later in the Gospel of John, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the way to the joyful life that we desire. And yet, our brokenness, the sin that infests our hearts, fights hard against that. Fights hard against believing that God is for us. That he has our best in mind. We all have a thing. I call it a thing. We all have a thing in our lives that we love that's actually killing us. For some of us, it's an addiction. For some, it's a codependent relationship. For some, maybe a secret activity. Maybe it's a thing with food or a struggle with uh, some other kind of control. Whatever it is, it keeps promising us life. It keeps saying, come to me, do it again, and you'll find peace, you'll find security, you'll be in control, you'll find fulfillment. And every time we go back there, it only gives us regret and guilt and discouragement. It keeps coming back into our lives to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. What would it look like for you to follow Jesus in that area of your life, in that thing? To keep his commandments and live? Maybe it's time to make an appointment with the pastor and share, break the power of the secret around that thing and ask for help. Maybe it's time to start working the 12 steps again or a time to break off that unhealthy relationship for some of us, the challenge is a little bit subtler. But like the thief climbing over the sheep pen wall, we're, we're spending most of our energy and ingenuity getting what we want, right? Using people, consuming relationships to get what we think we need, to get what we think we deserve. We have people and relationships in our lives that we use and we consume and we abuse for our own ends and our own purposes. Spouses that we take advantage of and take for granted. Parents that we treat like ATM machines. We've abandoned and broken promises to co-workers in our effort to get to green pastures ourselves. Or maybe even at a higher level, uh, there is a conviction that we know that we have good things. Uh, that we have privilege in life because of or in spite of the fact that other people are kept down and suffer. And it's just easier to go with the flow and uh, to enjoy good things than to engage in the cause of the orphan and the widow and the refugee and the minority. But Jesus says, it shall not be so among you. 
Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, that when I, think, uh, when I think about what does it look like to follow Jesus, for some of us it will be useful and helpful for us to think about God's design and his commands and how they will give us life if we follow them. For some of us, it will be more useful for us to think about what Jesus did, which was as a leader, he became a servant and laid down his life. I gave his life for others. The two are the same. It's the same thing. But Jesus says, contrary to our inclination otherwise, this is the way to life. So Jesus is an access door. He is an entrance door. And Jesus says, I am a security door. So Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life. I am the good shepherd, and the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. One of my family's favorite things to do in the summer is to spend time at the pool club in our neighborhood. If you've gotten a chance to speak to me or any of my kids or my wife kind of offline, you've probably heard about the Cabana Club. We love it. Olivia's on the board. It's kind of a big deal. Some of you have joined us there. We had a church picnic there once upon a time in a pre-pandemic world. Um, some of you were invited to an anniversary party that we had at the Cabana Club, but we, we just love it. It's almost like you're stepping back in time uh, to a time when things were more innocent and pools had high dives and neighbors got together to have rib cook-offs and uh, just for the heck of it, right? Yesterday... We spent the entire afternoon there for a volleyball tournament, um, just because, not because there was any prize money or anything, just because people in neighborhoods with pool clubs should have volleyball tournaments. And one of my favorite things about the Cabana Club is the gate. You see, there's this metal gate at the entrance to the Cabana Club, and there's a lifeguard posted there. And yes, the gate is there to keep trouble out, but what I love about the gate is that it keeps the kids in. There is nowhere they can go. Once we get inside the gate, there's nowhere they can go where there isn't a lifeguard on duty and a community around them and somebody who knows their mom and dad and the word's gonna get back to us. Once we get there, uh, we can relax because everything is secure. I think that's one of the reasons why we, if we have nothing else to do on a summer afternoon, that's where we go. My friends, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the gate. And that should fill us with an unshakable sense of security. A few verses later in John chapter 10, in verses 27 and 28, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, 
and no one can snatch them out of my hand. If you belong to Jesus, no one can snatch you out of his hand. You cannot fail your way out of the salvation that Jesus has secured for you. You cannot be disqualified because you ask the wrong questions. There is no secret too dark that the blood of Christ cannot clean you and wash you and welcome you. There's no sin so vast that it can separate you from God because Jesus is the door. He stands in the gap between us and God. And once you are in by believing in the work that Christ has done, he guards the door with his life. No one can snatch you out of his hands. The book of Romans tells us that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, we'd be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is so much freedom in that. Freedom to try, knowing that you cannot fail and your failure cannot disqualify. You can fail, but your failure cannot disqualify you, right? You're free to give it a go. Freedom to risk, knowing that you can't lose his love or his approval. Freedom to confess your sin and be made free, uh, to open up secrets and know that he already knows, that he already died to forgive. Freedom to share the love of Christ, the joy of salvation and the message of the gospel, knowing that it's not up to us to change other people's hearts or to manipulate them into believing. Only that we would share our story, the story of how by Jesus we entered into a relationship with God. By Jesus we found freedom in Christ, access to an abundance that we didn't find anywhere else, and a security in his finished work that no one can snatch us out of God's hands. That's what people are looking for. They may or may not know it, but this is the life of following a good shepherd.